My name is Stephen. It's lovely to see you and uh, know many of you in the room. We've been in church together for, in some case, decades, uh, some case months. And if you're new, big welcome to you as well. We love having new people amongst us week in, week out. And we love getting into the Bible uh, together. We're going to do that in just a minute, but I just wanted to share some family news, some church family news. You say family news, but like, are you pregnant? No. Church family news, and no, we're not pregnant. And... Uh, Wow, I've distracted myself already. Brilliant. Uh, church phone news. Um, we as a church, we are, have five services uh, here in the city. Two that meet in this room. We also meet in Hove and Hangleton and over in Shoreham as well. We're also part of a massive group of churches called New Frontiers. Uh, we've been part of for decades and really been instrumental actually in starting and being a part of, which we love doing. But also in kind of the last decade or so, we've also been involved in planting churches into mostly European uh, cities, both in the UK and, and on mainland Europe as well. And one of which is planting into Amsterdam, which we did almost 10 years ago that church started. And uh, we sent Matt and Joe Simmons, who are here, uh, Manuel to start with, and then they went there. And uh, we've been supporting them, praying for them, sending them people, that kind of stuff uh, over the last few years. And today I want to announce to you that uh, over the last few years, last kind of year or so, uh, we've been talking and praying with them about what's their next uh, step. And uh, they have come to the conclusion that it's time for them to leave Liberty Church Amsterdam and to return to the UK. And uh, so that's obviously big news for Liberty Church Amsterdam. We want to be really praying for them as they work out their leadership challenges and who's, who's next and that kind of stuff. Uh, but we are thrilled to say that Matt is going to come and lead our Hove site. So he's coming back here. Yes, it's definitely worth a round of applause. Uh, Matt and Joe are really a superb couple, and we are just thrilled uh, that they can be part of the team, uh, but they are going to be a real blessing uh, to that site as well. So if you know them, do send them a message and say, Woohoo, you're coming. And uh, they'll be coming to us sometime uh, in the summer months. They've got lots of logistics to work out, obviously, moving country, buying a house in the UK, also a bit difficult if you've not been here for 10 years, uh, getting kids into schools, that kind of stuff. So do be praying uh, for them. And as I say, keep praying for Liberty Church Amsterdam as well. But on to today's sermon, uh, we are back into the book of Acts, and uh, we're getting into Acts chapter 3. I'm loving this series. I actually say I quite like the, the artwork. That's good. Uh, but I'm just loving the provocation this book is to us about being our community that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, the last two weeks, uh, we kind of slowed down how fast we're going through the book. We've just been looking at six verses over the last two weeks, both Matt and George taking us through those verses and this wonderful description of what the early church was like. So it kind of moved out of the narrative, out of the story bits of Acts, and just to kind of describe this is what the church looked like. So they were devoted to God and devoted to each other, devoted to reading the Bible, studying the Bible, to praying, to taking communion together, doing life with one another, selling their possessions and, and giving to one another and to the Lord as well. But there's one phrase in that description at the end of Acts chapter 2 that Matt and George didn't give much attention to. And it's not because they're not very good expositors of the gospel, uh, but because it's the context for today's message. And it's this verse. It's verse 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Just a throwaway line at the end of Acts 2. What was one of the features of the early church? They saw signs, wonders, or we might say miracles and healings. That was part of what they experienced as a community. And as we turn the page from chapter 2 to chapter 3, we find a story of one of those signs and wonders. As Peter and John 
they uh, command a blessing over a lame beggar who is healed. And this is going to be an opportunity for us to look at healing together this morning. It's a big theme of the Bible, the supernatural breakout of God's spirit upon his people and upon the earth. And so we're going to need God's help. I'm going to need God's help as I preach it, uh, that we all might experience God's love and know his love for us and the world. But also that I'm reading my prayers that we grow in faith this morning to see more of what God would do in us and through us as we continue on with the mission he's given us. Uh, to this morning's reading is not just six verses, it's 26 verses. So it's quite a long reading, but I encourage you, lock in. It's a good story. Engage with it. It's wonderful healing. And then another sermon uh, from Peter. And as you do, let me just ask you to just look out for two things. The first thing is for the word arms. And not arms on the end of your hands, uh, but arms, A-L-M-S, uh, which is another word for charitable giving. So the beggar asks for arms, basically asking for money. So that's one thing to look out for. The other one to look out is for how many times does Peter in his sermon tell the crowds that they killed Jesus? He's pretty bold with them. Uh, See if you can count the number of times he says that. Let me pray and then we'll have it read to us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your scriptures. Uh, Thank you for what they contain, what they teach us about Jesus. And also the provocation to uh, be more like him, uh, but also to be those who actively seek him and seek his power in our lives. We want to say, Holy Spirit, be with us. This morning, Lord, we, we just know that uh, we are weak people and uh, our understanding is small. So, God, expand our understanding. I pray, expand our strength to comprehend your amazing love and to walk in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's listen together. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising god and all the people saw him walking and praising god and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him while he clung to peter and john all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power of piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. 
Repent therefore and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken, from Samuel and those who came after him, also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Okay, so we got this wonderful story of Peter and John doing what they did regularly, going, walking up to the temple and encountering this lame beggar. It says in chapter 4, he was lame for 40 years uh, from birth. And uh, they encounter him. He asks them for some silver and gold. Instead of saying, giving silver and gold, he, they heal him. And the guy jumps up to his freshly healed feet and ankles and legs and leaps and praises God and runs through the temple, uh, causing quite a stir. And a crowd gather, and Peter takes the opportunity to then preach to them about Jesus and all that he has done. And I'm going to help us navigate this passage uh, under four headings. But as I do that, let me just remind you, this is a narrative story. It's a description of something that really happens. And we have to be careful not to build all our thinking, our theology on a story. Okay, We need to do a bit on the whole teaching uh, of the Bible. This is not the cookie cutter of how everyone should be healed. You all haven't got to sit outside a temple before you're healed, for example. And, uh, you know, there's, but there are principles in this that we can draw upon, but we'll also go to some other places in Scripture to help us understand. But let's start with the, the chapter starts in verse 1 and look at the fact that prayer is primary. It says this in verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. This chapter isn't really about prayer. This chapter is really about healing and about preaching about Jesus. But Luke, in this first verse, just drops in. Oh, yeah, but by the way, they're not on the way to the temple. They're on the way to the temple to pray. And that's because this is a key motive. This is a key theme that Luke returns to time and time again in, his, in the book of Luke, but also in the book of Acts, both of which he wrote. And in chapter 1, there's a prayer meeting. In chapter 2, there's another prayer meeting. In chapter 4, there's another prayer meeting, comes to prayer meeting, Mondays at seven o'clock. But even here in chapter three, it's not about prayer meetings. But he's telling them that it's about prayer. They're on their way to pray. He wants to keep reminding Theophilus, who he's writing to, and to us, that these people were people of prayer. The early church were at prayer. Why? What's that got to do with healings and the supernatural? Well, to connect with the supernatural, you have to be connected to God. It's not about a prayer of healing. It's about a life of prayer that leads to healing. It leads to all kinds of things, actually. Jesus, as we look at his earthly ministry, he prayed all the time. The Son of God prayed. Why? Because he wanted to be connected to the Father. We see that in the, the Acts that the apostles do the same. They pray all the time. Why? Because they want to be connected to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. So if we want to see the things that they see, we need to do the things that they do. We need to be people who are prayer. It's just a small point, but I want to make it right up front. If we want what they got, we've got to do what they do. 
we got to be those who pray and give ourselves to a life of prayer. Yes, personal prayer, but corporate prayer, prayer as well. I'm going to keep saying to you, church, let's be those that pray. Point one, quick, done. Point two, if you're taking notes, it's a long title. The fallout of the fall is everywhere, but so is the kingdom of God. Okay, it's my long title. Okay, let me explain. Verse two and three says this. A man lame from birth was being carried, and they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Luke is doing some classic storytelling here. He set it up with some characters. They're on a journey, and then something, boom, out of nowhere comes this incident that they've got to suddenly address. Suddenly, they're no longer going to the temple to pray. They've got to deal with what is in front of them. And what are they confronted by? They're confronted by a man who is in need. Here we say, yeah, lame, lame from birth, 40 years of never having got up on his own legs. A man who'd sat in the dirt for 40 years outside the temple. The, the indignity of it, lack of dignity in his own life. Just have to sit there and ask of other people. Not able to work. Not able to have his own family. Not in a, a time or place where there was the welfare state. Constant threat of poverty and of hunger. All he had to live on was the things that he was given. Makes us ask, ask the question, maybe ask a question, why is healing necessary? Like, yeah, because people are sick and ill and suffering. So I say to you, yes, but why are people ill and sick and suffering? And if you Google that, if you Google why do people need healing or why do people get sick, the, Bible, the, the Google, the, not the Bible, the Google uh, will tell you the Google, interesting. Um, <laughs> That will haunt me tonight uh, as I go to bed. Uh, if you Google it, you'll get a plethora of answers that come along the lines of uh, the body uh, gets sick as it encounters pathogens that aren't meant to be inside it. Or maybe a particular genetic disorder or environmental factors. And they are answers of sorts, but they still answer, yeah, but why? Why do those things impact? Why do those things exist? Why are things wrong? Why do things go wrong? The Bible, however, does offer us an explanation. It says that our instinct about the fact that things are wrong is because we are hardwired to desire what is right and what is good. Because that is how God made the world. So we go turn to the beginning of our Bibles, we see in Genesis that God created the world and he created it good. In fact, when he created people, he said it was very good. He said it was very good. But the Bible then goes on to tell us that people then messed it up. Man and woman sinned. And they didn't just mess up their relationship with God or mess up their relationships with one another. Actually brought a curse on the whole of creation, upon the whole world. Everything got messed up. Everything that was good had, in one sense, gone wrong. Sin and evil has entered the world. In one sense, we don't know. We've got our own why. We don't know why God allowed man and woman to do that. We don't know why that is. But we do know that God, even before they had messed up, had already put a plan in place to save them from their own mess. Already made a plan in place to bring good back into the world. And if we turn to the other ends of our Bible, back in, up in Revelation 21, we read that God is coming again. And he's going to restore all things and make everything good. It says this, God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. Jesus is going to come back and make everything good again. A new heavens and a new earth. So it starts in Genesis 1. It's going to be, it's good. 
It's going to come good again at the end of Revelation, at the end of time, end of this earth, when Jesus creates a new heavens and earth. But what's going to happen in the intervening years? How does it change from being this mess in the middle? The answer is Jesus' death upon the cross. Jesus died that goodness might enter into the world once more. Now, his death will ultimately bring the end of death. His suffering will mean the end of our suffering. His mourning and grief will result in our joy. But you can say to me, but he died 2,000 years ago. We've not seen that change yet. And that's where we look at the Bible and say, well, it's yes, there's some of what he's done is now we can see the outworkings of it. The very fact that you can sit here as someone who knows Jesus and know forgiveness for your sins because Jesus, what he did at the cross, is effectual right now. You can stand right now and say, I am righteous before God. My sin is forgiven because of what Jesus has done. There's lots of the blessings of the cross we've not yet fully received. We're going to have to wait until everything is restored before that happens. But we don't have to wait. You know, just, just wait and wait for everything to be restored. Actually, the Bible encouraged us to call some of that, of what's going to be eternity, into life now. Or what is already in heaven into the earth. And that's what happens in this story. Peter and John, as they command the blessing over this lame beggar, they call it into being something of a heaven and eternity. This, this man who is lame, sunny, receives perfect health, it says in that story. This man has his world turned upside down. There he is, hoping just for some money to get through that day. Maybe get through a week, but instead his life is turned upside down as he receives the blessing of heaven. And we are children of God. And we are heirs of the same blessings that Christ has, who has won every spiritual blessing for us. We're to be those who are encouraged to pray those spiritual blessings into being today. We are to do what Jesus did. We are to do what his early disciples did as well. While Jesus walked the earth, every miracle he did was a sign of this good kingdom that was to come. He did it in the now, pointing to the not yet. When he turned water into wine, or when he fed the 5,000, what was he pointing to? His point to the fact that a time was going to come where there would be no lack, no poverty, no hunger. When he healed people of their sicknesses, and he was pointing to the fact that a time was coming where there would be no sickness, no suffering whatsoever. When he calmed the storm, when he shh, the wind and the waves... He was pointing to a time where there would be no more chaos and no more danger. When he cast out demons, he was pointing to a time when there would be no more demonic, no more oppression, no more control, no more abuse. And he raised people to life, including his own resurrection. He's pointing to the fact that there would be no more death and no more separation. That was Jesus' ministry. That's the things that he gave himself, pointing to the good that was to come. I found this quote by Tim Keller uh, in the last fortnight. It says this, We modern people think of miracles as a suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. Things are meant to be good. When things aren't right, when things aren't right in our bodies, it's because that's not how things are meant to be. Things are meant to be right and good, and it's right that we have a hunger for things to be right and good. These are the acts that Jesus did on the earth, and these are the acts that the disciples begin to do. The book of Acts, as we have said many times already in this series, a continuation of Jesus' ministry. Yes, he's ascended to heaven, but by his Holy Spirit, he's still working on the earth through this church, through these people. And this supernaturally birthed community expects supernatural acts to naturally outflow from them. And Jesus taught us to pray for the same. He, prayed, he, he encouraged us to pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let what's good come on earth now. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's what we're to pray, and that's what we are to expect. Let me tell you, this is a hard message to preach. Because I have prayed for a lot of people to be healed, prayed for God's will to be done, and have seen some of that, and all of it. My wife is not here today because she is at home sick. Hi, Emma. Just to be clear. I was just like, okay, I'm preaching this, knowing that right now in my household, I'm not quite living in the good of this. I've got other, other times where I've prayed for people and they've got worse. I've got one person, and they got worse to the point they died. And I did their funeral. You're thinking, that doesn't feel like it's coming to bear on earth. And suddenly I don't blame those who say, actually, maybe the supernatural was just for the apostles, just for that time in the early church. That's much easier to believe than to believe it's all already available for us now. It's too disappointing to pray for people and then not get healed. Too, too disappointing to hope for healing for myself or for those that I love. It's understandable that people say, no, actually, I don't think I believe that. But we are those who are to trust the Bible. We're to be people of faith. We're not to let the reality before us or disappointments we're faced to shape our thinking. In fact, we are to face disappointment the way that we face temptation. We're to flee from it. We're to fight it and stand instead upon truth. Because disbelieving the supernatural intervention of God in the earth doesn't match with what Scripture says. Falling into the skepticism like the world around us is all too easy. But we are to be people of faith. So on one side, there are skeptics, or maybe that's even you this morning, thinking, actually, I find it really hard to believe. I say, I get it, I understand. Maybe some of you are in the other camp. There's other parts of Christianity where people are like, everything's about the supernatural and the miraculous. And uh, they would point to people who are sick and say, you're not well because you, there's something wrong in you. Or you lack faith, and it may be that they do lack faith. That is something that Jesus talks about. But ultimately, there's something wrong in you. It's because the world is wrong. It's not something we bash people over the head with, but we encourage people to prayer and to faith and looking to Jesus. But later on in our meeting, I'm going to get a couple of people up to come and share some stories with you. But I want to say to you, I have seen some healings myself. I go to the New Day Festival most, most years, and uh, we often pray for young people at that event, all camping in a field and have a big, big top. And uh, we spend an evening teaching and praying into this. And uh, I've seen some wonderful people come to the stage and give testimony. They're there waving their glasses around. I don't need these anymore. My sight has been so restored, I do not need glasses. And people come back the year later and say, here's what my uh, optician said about my eyes. And then this is what they had to then say and gave me a, a clean bit of health. Other people have got up out of breath as they've given the testimony because they've arrived at New Day with some kind of mobility issues. And that, that evening, as we prayed for them, they've been healed. And suddenly they're running around, they're doing cartwheels out on the grass. And they come in, it's amazing. <gasps> I can run and I can cartwheel again. So I praise God. There's one particular story that always sticks with me. And uh, there's an amazing thing uh, of uh, people giving testimony about being healed from allergies. And uh, I don't have any allergies, well, maybe cat hair, but it's not, really, it's not particularly life limiting for me. There's many people, maybe even you today, you've got life-limiting allergies in your life. And there's particularly one girl, I think probably about 15 years of age, God mistaken, said she had a, a severe allergy to eggs. If eggs touched her skin or she tasted them, she would be in severe trouble. She would have to go straight to hospital. And um, very limiting for her, for her family, and even for her church. So they're all camping together at New Day. And uh, they were an egg-free zone. 
No eggs were allowed on, on site for the danger of this girl getting egg on her or ingesting it. So no eggs were allowed. But as they were praying during the meeting, she just felt faith begin to rise in her heart. And, uh, and she said, I think God's healed me. I think God's healed me. So she, while the meeting's still going on, and we move to time of worship, that kind of stuff, what's happening, she decides to go to the cafe and buy a brownie and goes back to her campsite. And her mum's on the campsite. I think she's helping out the catering team, which you understand if your daughter's got an egg allergy, probably. She goes back and she says, Mum, I think I've been healed. And so I bought this brownie that's made with egg. And I'm going to eat it. And her mum's like, hmm. <laughs> you can imagine the feeling there, like, I really want to encourage your faith in Jesus. Also, don't want you to die. And so, so she's like, okay, okay, you can eat this. Uh, but we're getting the phone ready to dial the ambulance if we need to. And we've got your EpiPen with the adrenaline or whatever it's got in it. Uh, in case I need to, you know, give an injection to buy some time. She's like, okay. And she sat there. They thanked God for the food and then ate the brownie. And what went before, you know, they had many instances where she accidentally had some egg, and very quickly she would have blown up or whatever happened. And, uh, but no effects whatsoever. And then they actually ate something else. And she's like, I think I really have been healed. This is amazing. So she just comes back to the big top, tells someone in the team, and she's like, what? And she comes up and gives the testimony. And obviously I'm just there thinking, oh, this is wonderful. I'm so pleased you're, you're free of your egg allergy. You know, I have allergies. I don't know what that's like. But at the back of the big top, there is the church going crazy because they know her. They know what it's meant for her life, what it's meant for her family. They know what it's meant for them as a church. Everything is egg-free on their site for the whole week. you got to bet they had eggs the next morning. <laughs> They're like, this is amazing. She's been healed. What does this mean for her? God is real. So Peter, in this story, at the end of the story, he says, you know this guy. You know the lame guy who asks you for silver and gold every day. He's not going to do that anymore. He's going to walk into the temple like you do. You know him. What it does for you when you see someone you know get healed, what does it do? It causes you wonder and worship to God. That's what happens in this story. That's what happened to that church. I've got people I've prayed for. I've had a flatmate at one point who was a keen jogger, and they rolled that ankle, and it just wouldn't heal. It was stiff and painful all the time. And we're in our kitchen. She was just moaning about it. Fair enough. I said, let, let me pray for you. You know, we're both Christians. I'll pray for you. So I got down on my knees, just made my hands on her ankle, and I prayed. In Jesus' name, God, heal her ankle. And I said, the, the bold thing is like, why don't you stand up? You know, sometimes it's like, amen, and then just move on me there. I was like, no, come on. Why don't you test it? Why don't you see if it's okay? And she stands up and said, yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm going to have a run. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, I'm the one who's prayed for something. I'm like, are you, are you serious? Sure enough, she went run. Totally fine. Totally better. Amen. Got a wonderful time. I love praying for babies. One of my favorite things. I love, I love kids. They are a blessing from the Lord. No matter what our culture says, children are a blessing from the Lord. Have more of them. But some people can't. Some people have struggled to conceive. And you know what? That is tough. And my heart of compassion, I'm so moved for people that, that that's the issue. Well, it's one of my biggest fears growing up, actually, that I might not have, have kids of my own. And so I feel it. And so I, I pray for people often. You know, one of the things I pray for most, and I want to say to you, I've seen loads of people who were told by doctors they could not have kids, have kids. Not everyone, not everyone, but a, a good number. There was a time when I was at a race course site as a team, we were praying, and our, our site grew because people got to save us. Our site grew because we had babies. I want to keep praying for that, praying for people to have children. 
If you've prayed for people and you've not seen them healed, hey, you're in good company. Even in the Bible, we see this. Jesus instructs his disciples to go and pray for people, heal the sick, cast out the demonic. And it comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He discovers family who are in distress. So your disciples have tried to help our son, but he is not being made well. And Jesus does rebuke the lack of faith. He's like, there wasn't faith for this particular one. There wasn't faith. And the father of the family, he says, well, if, that's, if it's about faith, then give me faith. He says, help my unbelief. I want you to know that is often my prayer. Help my unbelief, Lord God. But I am lacking in faith. Maybe this morning you feel like you're lacking in faith. Pray to God. Say, God, help my unbelief. That would be a good thing for us to pray this morning. Next point. All I have is Jesus. Let's go back to today's story. Verse 4. Peter directed his gaze at the lame man and said, look at us. And the lame man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. I love this bit of the story. There's so much I want to unpack, but let's just focus on the main thing. Jesus. Who directed Peter and John to this man? Jesus did by the Holy Spirit. I've read this story many times, but as I read it and studied it in preparation for this, just looking at the fact that the man was there daily at the temple. Reading other bits of Luke and Acts, you're finding, as were Peter and John. So this isn't the first time they've met him or seen him. Not the first time they've walked past him. Guess who else often daily went to the temple? Jesus did. Just a few months before, Jesus was going to the temple daily. John and Peter going to the temple daily. The lame man's there daily. So why have they not done it before that? Why is it today that has done it? Well, Jesus decided this is the day. This is the day that I'm going to bring salvation. This is the day that I'm going to bring healing to this man. And we're going to look in a minute some of the reasons why this particular day. But I think when we are those who are living in connection to God in prayer, when we're birthed in the Holy Spirit, we've been praying lots over this last month, Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. We should expect that God turns our attention to situations that he wants to change. That's what happens here. Peter obviously has some kind of prophetic nudge from the Holy Spirit to speak to this man and command a blessing from him. It's not the first time he's been asked by silver gold by this guy, or maybe a whole line of beggars before. But this time, this place, this is something that God is doing. Do you know what that feels like? To feel God prompting you. Even like that girl who got healed of egg energy. Just knowing something. I think God's done something. Or God's going to do something. To the point where Peter does it very confidently. Now I pray often as I go out and about, particularly into the city, or use public transport. God, is there someone that you want me to speak to? Do I need to take my earphones out and just be ready to listen to you, but also to speak to others? And sometimes it's because someone mentions something to me, like this lame man. He mentioned his need. Oh, I need silver and gold. And then Peter responds. Or sometimes it's just a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Which of those who eagerly desire the promptings of the Holy Spirit, who eagerly desire the prophetic? But as I said at the beginning, this is not meant to be the cookie-cutter way of doing uh, a healing. But we have to wait for a prompting from God. I would say that. That's, that's not the way it works. We're also meant to be those who persevere in prayer. We're those who bring our needs uh, before God. And that's the Bible says, if you are sick, come to elders and pray. That's why we have prayer team each and every week at Emmanuel. We want to be able to pray for those who are sick and need healing. So not just prophetic, but also those who persevere in prayer as well. 
So it's Jesus that leads Peter and John to this man. It's also in Jesus' power that this man is healed. Peter says to the man, look at us. You want silver and gold? Guess what we are? We're fishermen from Galilee. Okay, which, okay, what does that mean? Basically, it means they're poor. They haven't got much to give in reality. We're not impressive. It says later when he preaches to the crowds, he says, Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? They're not pious. They're not particularly religious. There's nothing special about them. They haven't got any power that's of their own. They're not qualified in any sense like that. They're qualified to pray for Jesus' healing. Why? Because of Jesus. It's all about him. Maybe think, can I pray for someone else to be healed? Can I pray for myself to be healed? I don't feel like I'm holy enough. I don't think I've been a Christian long enough. I don't understand it all. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's all about Jesus. What we have to do is be available to him and believe him. In whose name did they heal him? Jesus' name, verse 16. His name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. In this verse, it says faith in Jesus' name and faith through Jesus' name. Saying the name Jesus at the end of a sentence is not like, oh, this is a lucky charm. Oh, this is a bit of magic spell to perform. No, it's Peter and John saying, in the authority of the one we know who is risen from the dead, He's brought an end to suffering. We command his blessing in your life. They understood their authority is based upon the Jesus who they know and love and appeal to his kingdom. The Apostle Paul says elsewhere in the scriptures, I think in Corinthians, says we are ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors, when they go into a situation, yeah, they might have some kind of import that they've got, but it's not, it's not because of them really. It's because of where they come from, from, that, from a king or a government or a country. It's their crest or their flag that they fight. It's, that, it's another one's authority. For us, it's not our authority that we come into situations and pray for healing. It's being those who are connected to Jesus, who know Jesus, that we pray. So for what purpose did they heal him? Well, just out of compassion. They look at the person, they can see their suffering, and they move with care. God is moved by love for you. It says in Psalm 139 that his thoughts about you are vast. He doesn't just think about you randomly. He thoughts of care about you. Even Peter shows care. He, he commands a blessing, but then reaches out his hand and lifts this man to his feet. What people purpose to the hill? Compassion, but also for wonder and worship. We talked about that already. This man leaps up and runs and leaps and praises God for all he's done. And we'll find out next week. There's a bit of a mixed reaction to what goes on in this story, as we'll find out in chapter 4, but definitely some turn and worship Jesus. But my last point I want to make is that they healed him as a sign to, of who Jesus is and Jesus' salvation, his coming kingdom and the salvation that he's offering. That's the main thing about this story. Yes, the man gets healed. God bless him. But really, it's an opportunity then to talk about Jesus and what he has done. This man wants silver and gold. but He's given a life-changing healing. But then this leads to an eternity-shaping offer for him and the crowd that then gather. The sign grabs the attention of many people and leads to Peter's second big sermon of Acts. We're going to hear quite a few more, but this is number two. We don't have time to go into all the detail of the sermon. Lots of times given over in the actual chapter. But basically says the same things he says in chapter two and we're going to say in many other chapters that Jesus is real. Jesus lived. 
that he is God. He's the saviour. He's the author of life. He's the holy and anointed one. He goes to towns and this is who the Jesus is. And he says, he died and he died for you. And he actually says, I said, as I mentioned earlier, he died at your hands. He says four times, you killed him. You murdered him. You handed over him. You chose a murderer to be released instead of him. He really goes to town saying, you know what? It's because of you that he had to die. That, what do they need to do? They then need to repent and believe and be saved. And he says the same thing to them that he says to the crowd in Acts chapter 2. If you do repent, if you turn your mind and your heart and your action towards this Jesus, you can know that you'll be forgiven. You'll know that you have the promise of the Holy Spirit to refresh you. He says wonderful expression, your sin will be blotted out. It's just a thing of us being wiped clean. Anything you ever said, thought and done that is wrong, which is true of all of us. What's your hope for it being sorted? It's Jesus' blood at the cross. That wipes us clean. In this story, I think it shows us that the miraculous, for the most, is uh, something that comes with mission. Miracles and mission go together. Now, God does heal people out of compassion, but we often see that we see more healings, more acts of the supernatural when mission is happening. God uses the miraculous to break open new areas. Miracles authenticate God's message and his messengers. When miracles occur, they give evidence that God is truly at work and to serve the advance of the gospel. This early church was to be marked as those who were with Jesus. And so Jesus presences himself by the natural outflow of this miraculous works. There's nothing inappropriate in seeking miracles for the proper purposes for which they are given by God, to bring help to those in need, but also to confirm the truthfulness of the gospel message, to move hindrances to people's ministries and bring glory to God. I think we have more healings that happen on Alpha in this church than anywhere else. I think that's where it happens. And I've experienced this. I've experienced healings happening in the place of when I've been on mission. I had a friend of mine, um, I've been friends for probably a couple of decades now in reality, and uh, quite a few years ago he asked me to pray for his niece who was uh, very, very sick and on death's door. And uh, I don't really remember. It was, it was a long time ago and my memory's not that great. So we did pray, though definitely at the time. And uh, she did get well. And uh, which you know, I, I credited to God. I think, thank you, God, that we get to be part of that story and you healed her. But I didn't really know what my friend thought about it until last October uh, when he, mess- he messages uh, us and says, uh, Stephen Emma, um, thank you so much. You prayed for my niece that other time and she was healed. I want you to know that I think it's your prayers that made the difference. I was like, okay. And he's a guy who's been in church. And he, he's very clear. Church is boring as who even knows what you guys are saying up front? And I'm not a singer, so I, I'm, not, I'm not in it. No, thank you very much. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Um, but he's very clear. Church isn't for me. But he said, just so you know, we credit that. And right now, my sister uh, is 20-something weeks pregnant, and we're, we're at danger of losing her and the, and the baby. Please, please, can you pray? So when we're like, oh, wow, like you credit thing, and also, you're, we're going to pray. And so we spent just a few weeks just praying and praying and praying. And uh, this one is where it got worse. I'm like, oh no, what's happening? It's like, Stephen, she's, she's been taken to the hospital. They think she's going to die. We think this is in. They're going to get the baby out. But they think this is at the end. Oh. <clears throat> she doesn't die. So they get the baby out and it's at 28 weeks. Um, I think it's 28 weeks. And, uh, and, 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 and she lives. And you know, suddenly the baby out removes all complications. She's got a few weeks in the hospital, but she lives. And then the baby is now in trouble. 
very, very premature and a very distressing kind of pregnancy. And so we pray and pray and pray and pray. And two weeks, baby comes home. Two weeks, two weeks ago, baby comes home healthy and fine. God did that. And that family credits prayer. They're like the medics that they couldn't do anything more. And uh, so my friend and his family came to church. And so <laughs> and he told me afterwards, that was boring. <laughs> and so, so okay, so work is to be done. He's not across the line yet, and I'm praying for him. But I'm trusting God as we get involved in people's lives. Now we're going to pray, and I've got to face this disappointment. If it had gone wrong, I've got to say, yeah, God didn't do it this time. That's tough. But God, we're praying, would you do more? My time is gone, so let me move quickly to wrap this. We're to be those who confidently go on mission. Trust that as we do, God will attend to us. Give us the words we need to tell people. Give us the miracles to point to this kingdom that God wants to bring. Let me encourage you, if you don't know Jesus this morning, you may feel like you need a healing in your body. Maybe it's not just physical healing, maybe it's mental, emotional healing you've got. We know plenty of that around as well. But God would say, that's not your main need. Your main need is Jesus. If you had a paper cut and a terminal illness, your priority would definitely be the terminal illness, wouldn't it? You know, that's the thing that needs to be sorted out. If you've got a few weeks to live, you want that one sorted. Or maybe like, I've snapped the ACL in my knee, which was pretty painful, pretty difficult. But even then, if I had that and a terminal illness, I still would want the terminal illness sorted. It's a matter of priorities. Here, that even if you're sick, God's saying, yeah, if you're a believer, you know what? You're going to get healed in eternity. The main thing you need is to know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus yet, I do pray that you are healed. But more than that, I pray that you would know Jesus. You would know his love, know his salvation. He's calling you to himself. He wants to blot out your wrongdoing. He wants you to know forgiveness. He wants you to know the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants you to be sure that you're going to the good place. When he establishes the new heavens and the new earth, that you are going to be part of it. Do you know that? If you don't, I want you to know that. I'm going to end there, but let me tell you what's going to happen next. We, in a moment, we're going to stand. We are going to sing a song of worship, celebrate that it is Jesus alone uh, that we put our trust in. And we're going to take communion. If you're a believer, come and take communion. If you're not yet, don't take communion. Just enjoy the song. Just mull over some of the things we've been talking about. But if you're a believer, let's come and take communion. Celebrate the cross and all that it means for us. Once that's happened, I'm going to ask you to sit down again. And I'm going to ask a couple of friends to come and share their testimonies of their healing. And then we're going to pray for people to be healed. Are you up for that? Yes. Okay. So I'm telling you that now because maybe you have got sickness in your body right now. <laughs> Probably most of us. I'm over 40. I just think, yeah, when you're over 40, you're just, you're just going to pick up injuries that are going to stay with you. <laughs> Lots of us are going to need healing. But maybe we said that's someone, you know, I really want it. Or maybe you're feeling just faith that God is going to do something. Well, we're going to invite you to come forward and we're going to have a time of prayer. I just want to prepare your heads for that. Maybe you can just begin to think about whether you're going to come forward or not. But sorry, Van, do you want to come and join me? Let me just pray for us just before we get into that. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for these stories. They do provoke us, Lord God. Lord, we want to see more in our lives of what we see in the Scriptures. We want to see more of the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit's activity. God, we want to see more healings. We want to see more salvation. And so we're coming to you today just, just humbly and saying, God, it's not about us. It's about you. It's not about how well I've preached. It's not about how well the band plays now. Not how well we pray, Lord, or how much faith we can muster. Lord, it's about coming to you, Jesus. And say, God, would you do something special in our lives this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and then may we'll lead us.